Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. The disciples asked Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? Matthew 13, 10. Sometimes as a homeschooler, well, really as a parent, I've wondered if I talk to my children in parables for all the good my words do. Jesus' response was, you have been given the opportunity to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but they have not. Good answer, Jesus. But what about my answer? And it is, all my children have been given the secret of our little household too. And as I look at them, I wonder how they're applying the message of both the parable and the family. But that's up to them to decide. For me, I want to reach my goal to be the seed sown in rich soil, which is what this parable is about, that one verse that I read to you. There are four kinds of soil in the parable of the sower. The path where there is no soil at all, then there's the shallow soil, then thorny soil, both good to start with but with no endurance, and finally you get the rich soil that yields much fruit. The first image of the seed falling on the path tells of those who hear about Christianity without understanding it. Are we stuck at a superficial level in our faith? Do we allow stereotypes, popular opinion, or media distortions to steal away the richness of our Christianity? Do we know how to behave as Christians yet choose not to? The next image is the seed falling on rocky ground. These Christians may be properly educated about their faith, but once they get out into the world, they begin to question it. Is practicing our faith too hard to bring into our everyday life? The next image is of thorny ground. These Christians have been choked by worldly anxiety and the lure of riches. Do we appreciate Christianity but can't make the sacrifice it requires? Ultimately, it's my goal as a Christian to be the seed that's sown in rich soil, as I'm sure all Christians' goal is. I have been given the opportunity to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. I want to let the word take firm root in my heart so that my own faith can produce a rich harvest for the world and I can be a great example for my children and those around me. Amen. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNinney and I'm here to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It can be strong straightforward school or no school at all. It can involve world travel or a comfy seat on the couch. It can be in pursuit of passions or simply hanging out in a tree. Homeschooling can be embarked upon for a number of reasons too. A physically challenged child or parent, the threat of bullies and overwhelming peer pressure, a particularly brilliant child who's bored in kindergarten, a conflict in religious teachings, a desire for the family closeness missing in your upbringing. For me, it's a lifestyle that suits the maverick lurking within. I wanted to be the one who saw the light bulbs going on. I wanted to be 
there at turning points in my children's lives. I didn't want to hand them over to folk who were not their mother. And I wanted to make my own decisions about how to raise my children. On this show, I've spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers, fathers, and graduates who find education opportunities everywhere and thrive. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. God and children will do that. I've gained insights and delights along the way that I'm happy to share with you. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary always busy and sometimes a roller coaster. But for me, it starts and ends with God. The beauty of year-round calves in the pasture, bird song breaking the silence, the scent of orange blossom on the air, a starry night out in the middle of nowhere, the happy clinking of lines on a sailboat, a serious hug or an earth-moving crash of thunder to wake me up. If you pop by, I will offer you a cup of Tetley tea and some whipped honey on a digestive. Intrigue? I'm broadcasting live from Turkey Creek in Florida, and after the first break, I'll be talking to Dr. Jay Weil, best known for his Exploring Creation With series. We'll be talking about the role of dads in the homeschool, faith, and I'm sure science will creep in there somewhere, so stay tuned. You won't want to miss a word. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNennies, where we're taking a look at college-bound children, setting deadlines for my writing project, and talking children through crises. So are you ready? So what's been going on this week? My daughter had her birthday. I talked about that last week. She babysat over the weekend, which brought her in extra spending money. And the children at her school made a fuss of her. One of the mums made her chocolate chip cookies. And one of the teachers gave her a gift. I wrote her a blog. My children love it when I write them a personal blog. It almost goes viral. Well, viral for me means over 100 hits. She waited until the evening to Skype us and break open the parcel we'd sent. I don't like being away from any of our children on their their birthdays. I was there when they showed up first, and so I should endeavor to be there whenever they celebrate that day. Calling, blogging, Skyping were the next best things to being there with her. She told us of a little mishap in the week. She has 26 children in her class, all school ages, so they can be anywhere from 6 to 12 years old. That's a lot of children for one teacher, especially when I struggled sometimes with four. Apparently, that's the ratio with mixed ages. I suggested she recruits helpers for a week among among the pool of children to give her an extra set of hands and a pair of eyes. She can't actually have paid staff going in there, but she can have maybe some helpers. Maybe a couple of those 10 and 11-year-olds can can be her teacher in training or her assistant teacher. They were doing an activity that involved food coloring, and yes, the worst happened. She bumped the tray she was using to gather out the bottles of food color, and one fell to the floor onto the very white floor, and guess what color it was? Red. And what made a mess. Luckily, none of the children were in the class. They were outside with someone else, so she hastily wiped the worst of it up, leaving pink residue on the floor, the rubbish bin, and the wall where it had splattered. She had a lot of scrubbing to do that night when everyone went home, but you know what? The children saw her as one of them, not perfect, accident-prone, and yet still a teacher and loving, and a loving one at that. She handled the teasing from her class very well and was able to demonstrate a good attitude and show them how to react when accidents happen, and that accidents do happen to adults too. 
everything is good and white again, she says. Our dancer daughter called about interfering parents at the studio, which drove her crazy. She told me about a mum who had come into her class, she teaches dance, and told her daughter to pay attention to Miss Malia. Then the same mum told her that she was going to pull her daughter out of her class because she hadn't done an enchaimant at the end of class. And for those of you who don't know, an enchaimant is a little eight-count routine at the end. Malia was upset by the criticism. It was the first time she taught that class and she was trying to find out what they knew. But the owners of the studio were supportive and told her to carry on with what she was doing, not to change anything. The following week, the same mum was back. And of course, Malia was nervous and felt scrutinized. But at the end of class, pushy mum congratulated her on what a good class she taught. Either the mother is a total loon or Malia was more confident. I know Malia was more confident <laughs> and she was very happy that day with the praise, as we all are. I love hearing the positive outcomes of my children's dilemmas instead of being left hanging and wondering how things turned out. My self-sufficiency, animal-loving son, is in a funk about getting his business underway. He's tired of working at a restaurant. He wants to be training his birds and working shows. He and his wife finally got their education permit this week, and now they need a federal permit before they can go pick up the owls. They said, why didn't we find that out before? Apparently, that will take another month. They're also trying to find somewhere less expensive to live and have latched on two tiny houses, but they can't get a loan. Since these tiny houses can be transported on wheels they come under the motor vehicle department's purview and they can't apply for a mortgage even though it's called a house they mentioned borrowing money from a low interest credit card but oops not a good idea one default payment and the interest could could soar i remember setbacks when i was young too and trying to live my dream it's all part of life and growing up and absolutely necessary they're doing all the right things so eventually everything will fall into place but they're so impatient just breathe um <laughs> and our filmmaker son in la is not so happy about working the night shift at his company i agree but i won't say much because he's doing it so nothing i comment on will be news to him i just imagine going to work at 11 30 at night and coming home at eight o'clock in the morning is really weird he says he can get some day things done before he falls into bed and some evening stuff done before he goes to work but they aren't the most social of ours but then we are homeschoolers just kidding then there's the weekend when his hours revert to someone else's how does that work like jet lag, you stay up or we're praying that a new job presents itself or he makes lots of friends and connections. Let's remember to pray for our children every day. It certainly calms me down when I'm reminded God is sheltering them. And now, before we go on a break, I have to preface my guests with this piece of insight. As homeschoolers, we, the blue, green and brown eyed McNenny family, were forewarned by many upright members of the homeschooling community that college campuses were dangerous places for our children unless they were Christian college campuses. And that by depriving our children of the latter, we can risk the losing of their souls. We were also warned by our priest that certain career choices weren't considered good Christian topics of study either. During our 10-year acquaintance, he roundly condemned our choice of worldly pursuits, namely the music industry, theatre, film and entertainment, also known as our careers. 
We took his opinions and jibes with a handful of salt because we had confidence in ourselves that whenever the world, wherever the world took us in our creativity, there would be God in all his glory. And I think in the end, the scales dropped from our priest's eyes. I don't know that for sure, though. Consequently, when our blue-eyed son decided to follow an admirable career in science, probably the most dangerous activity a Christian homeschooler can dabble his toes in on a secular campus, or so we've been told by well-meaning folk, I read him and his siblings a nifty little book called Reasonable Faith, The Scientific Case for Christianity, Dr. J. Weil. My son was so impressed by the truths contained therein, he cited it in a paper written for his science professor wherein he was defending creation. The result was a request for the book and the beginning of a friendship, and I'll be back in just a moment. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Welcome to Toginet, cutting-edge radio. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports radio show with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues, automotive and motorsports features, and... Special music presentations. Johnny's recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer, as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime TV and radio host. This program draws on Johnny's experience in shooting, motorsports, and as a professional entertainer and musician. Don't miss Johnny Roland News, Guns, and Motorsports. Infotainment at its best. Trust us on this one. It's a fun show. Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. can't hear this afternoon i'm thrilled to be welcoming dr jay Weil as my guest best known in the homeschooling circles for his award-winning exploring creation with series of science textbooks dr Weil holds an earned phd in nuclear chemistry and a bs in chemistry both from the university of rochester he has won several awards for excellence in teaching and has presented lectures on the topics of nuclear chemistry christian apologetics homeschooling and creation versus evolution he and his wife of more than 25 years kathleen homeschooled their daughter Dawn from the time they adopted her until she graduated high school. Our family particularly enjoyed Dr. Wiles' book, Reasonable Faith, The Scientific Case for Christianity, which, as mentioned before the break, we first read at the breakfast table in preparation for our herpetologist son's entry onto a secular college campus. After citing it in a science paper, he received a request from his professor for the book, and we've been giving copies of it away ever since. Dr. Weil, good afternoon and welcome to my show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's also a pleasure to hear that story. I don't think I've heard that before. <laughs> well, really you know, nice. and and you know, I have had that professor 
on my show, and he talked about his experience with my son in his class. And he said, you know, up till then, I would feel sorry for children who had been homeschooled. <laughs> and he said now, well, he's homeschooling his children now. That's I mean, he has, he has come complete circle. He said, I can pick them out in a class now. He oh, said yeah, they're self-motive, you know, absolutely. And it was so, and he was so gracious when he came on my show. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the story that I tell. And we give that book away all the time. I'm, you know, we're constantly giving that book away. My son just loves it. I don't think I have one on my shelf because as soon as I buy one to go on my shelf, somebody else comes along and I go, read this book. It's fabulous. You know, so it's a great little book. And it's a, it's a great story because you yourself went from being an atheist through science to being a Christian. Yes, I was uh, argued into the kingdom. It, it started simply by, you know, <laughs> studying science and seeing, mm -hmm. you know, first of all, that without some sort of designer, it's hard to make sense of anything in the natural mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that led me on a quest to find out who this designer is. Mm -hmm. And so I started reading Christian apologists. I also read a lot of different scriptures. I read uh, Muslim, I read uh, the the uh, Quran. I read the Bhagavad Gita. You know, because mm -hmm. I was wanting to do what any scientist does, and that's look at everything mm -hmm. uh, that you can, anyway. Uh, and so, but obviously, the uh, the Bible obviously has the all of the all of the evidence supporting it, and that's what mm -hmm. led me to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, I've spoken to um, a few Christians on my show who did start their lives as atheists. Yeah, it's you, and, you know, I say, oh, I don't believe God. Yeah, I, I collect stories on my blog about you know uh -huh. uh, folks who become who are atheists and become Christians. There's quite a number of different ways that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have to do the research to be an atheist as well. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> just to prove that you're just to prove your point. All right. Well, today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, your role as a homeschooling dad because I know when you wrote your science books. You weren't actually homeschooling, but you did write them for the homeschooling community. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and that's sort of a picture of what it's like to be in academia. At that mm -hmm. time, I was on the faculty at Ball State University, and uh, I didn't have children of my own. My wife and I were double income, no kids uh, people, and um, but the the students that I had in, in uh, Ball State who were homeschool graduates were head and shoulders above the rest. And that's mm -hmm. what got me interested in homeschooling. So I started working with homeschoolers and, you know, started writing curriculum for them, having never homeschooled myself. And that's really what it's like to be a professor, because we in academia, we don't actually do anything, but we study things. Yes. And that's what makes us experts. So having mm -hmm. never homeschooled myself, I was speaking to homeschoolers about how to homeschool, <laughs> and I was writing <laughs> curriculum for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that reminds me somewhat of a Catholic priest, you know, not a dad, <laughs> never been married, right. doesn't have a wife or run a household, but they, they, they um, counsel all of those people in their congregations. So same right, exactly. kind of thing. So what was it like when you um, started to homeschool? You, you knew the theory. What was the practice like? Right. <laughs> well, you know, it was a lot. 
you know, in a lot of ways, the practice was very similar to the theory, but the reasons became different. Uh, we adopted our daughter when she was a teen, uh, and so when we were homeschooling, we didn't know her very well before then. We did, she uh, was someone who went to our church, but we didn't hardly know her. Um, and so when we started home, when I started homeschooling her, when I started, my goals were to give her a deep, a good spiritual grounding, you know, and show how uh, faith and reason go together and so forth, and then to give her a good academic preparation for her life because she was pretty poorly prepared before we got mm-hmm. her. But as we went, as I went on, uh, I came to realize that in the end, the main reason I was homeschooling was to get to know my daughter. Yeah. Uh, and that that became uh, obviously she grew spiritually and she learned a lot and was able to get into university and so forth. But to me, the most important thing is now that she's thirty five, she and I have a very close relationship because we got to know each other in a way that many parents never get to know their kids. Mm-hmm. And especially mm-hmm. as a teen, you know, when you think about going to school eight or nine hours a day, and then teens have their social life and so forth. They're gone most you know, most of the evening with friends and things like that. How would you get to know your teen when they're going through these incredibly important years, mm-hmm. you know, when you just, you know, uh, have them go to school for eight hours a day? Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose some parents might think, well, I've had all these years where, they, where it's only been me, you know, a me in the yeah. child's life, and so I can let them go as teens. But you're right. You, As a parent, I felt that I had to be there regardless of whether anything earth-shattering was going on in my children's lives because that one moment when they needed me and I wasn't there, you would miss that moment completely. Oh, yeah, and, and, and those years, those teen years are so formative. Mm-hmm. They're getting mm-hmm. to the point where they can start thinking about how they view the world. They're getting to the point where they start thinking about the opposite gender and so forth. And those mm-hmm. are incredibly important years to have, a, you know, a, an adult who you trust and who, you know, who you can be with to help guide you through some of those rough patches. So she obviously was not had no history of homeschooling in her background when, when you and, and your wife um, started to homeschool her. So how did, how did your daughter react to homeschooling? Well, she did not want to be homeschooled at all, okay. Okay. Uh, but she wanted us as parents because, you know, there really, I mean, her other options really were a group home. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. She didn't have much options, so she wanted us as, uh, to have us as parents, but we explained to her, look, you know, if we're going to be your parents, we want the best for you, and we really think this is the best for you. So, you know, she sort of took it as a package deal um, that, you know, uh, she had to endure homeschooling for us to be her parents. And actually, throughout the rest of her homeschooling, she didn't really like it that much. Uh, she got more accepting of it as time went on, uh, but she never really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once she, once she went to university, about a month after she went to university, uh, she called me and said, put mom on the other line, and she thanked us both for homeschooling her. Because yeah. once she got to university, she realized how much we had prepared her and how yeah. much her most of her fellow students weren't prepared. All right, so you're talking about preparation here for college from high school. So I know a lot of parents of their teens and their young adults, and they they have problems whether they're homeschooled or not. They still, you know, want to go down those paths that we as parents might not want them to go down. So how how can we prepare them? How can we steer them away from these potential mistakes they may make while still allowing them to be themselves? What did you do? Yeah, and that's a tough thing, you know, um, 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 because you want to give them enough rope so that they can become their own person, but you don't want to mm-hmm. give them so much rope that they can hang themselves. Mm-hmm. With it. 
Uh, and that's really difficult. And one thing I did when we adopted her, I called the person who I consider to be the best father in the world, which happens to be my older brother. Um, mm-hmm. And I said, so, you know, what kind of advice can you give me? And he said, really, I, know I stumbled all through it. I don't know a lot, but I can tell you this. Whenever you have a choice as to what to do with your child, with your daughter, choose the option that's hardest for you because that's probably the right one for your child. Mm. And there's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of wisdom in that. And a lot of times, you know, she had opportunities to, like, go somewhere overnight and things like that. And we might not be as, you know, we were a little uncomfortable and so forth. But that kept coming back to my mind that, you know, we've got to experience, we've got to let them experience things and sort of grow into their own person, even if it's a little uncomfortable for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the main thing we kept trying to reinforce with her is that, you know, we're going to love you no matter what. So you've got, you know, you've got to, uh, you've got to try and keep us informed about what's going on. And obviously no teen's going to keep their child, their parent completely informed. Uh, but nevertheless, we really tried to keep lines of communication open, you know, Mm -hmm. and when she like, when she, when she came to us, she wasn't, uh, you know, I, I'm not the person to judge, but I would say she wasn't a Christian. Um, because she had a really messed up father. And so her idea of what a father would be, you know, and talk about God as father, that wasn't very good for her. And what I kept, you know, uh, uh, telling her was, you know, I want to hear your doubts. I want to hear your problems with, with Christianity. I want, you know, and so, you know, we'd take her to church, of course, every Sunday and make her be in youth group and so forth. But I encouraged her when she would come home from youth group or when we would come home for church, you know, what didn't you agree with? What didn't you like? You know, I wanted to talk about those things with her because mm-hmm. I think just trying to keep an openness about, you know, okay, maybe you don't believe what I want you to believe, but, you know, let's talk about it. I think that can make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you had this you had this strong foundation yourself. I mean, doesn't God work in wonderful ways? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you'd That's already right. you been there, the done time. that, you know. At the same time, though, you know, a lot of her problems didn't stem from science or anything like that. It stemmed from experience, Mm -hmm. you know, and having had no kids before or anything before her, in some ways I didn't have a foundation for some of the problems she was having. You know, but the Lord, you know, uh, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of times I did feel inadequate and I did find other people you know, to talk to her about these things. Uh, because, yeah, there were things in my experience, that she, or in her experience, that I just never had any contact with. No, no. So in, in the homeschool, um, how did you actually function? What did you do in the homeschool? Did you teach science? <laughs> Obvious question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's, here's actually what we did. Uh, as a professor, and as a professor who was very popular with students and, and you know, tripled the enrollment of the intro chemistry courses from the time I was there, I was, I was basically able to tell my department head, here's when I want to teach. And mm-hmm. they'd schedule it. So, I, so what I did was I told my department, I don't want to teach till 11. Okay. Uh, and so I would start the morning with Dawn, and we'd go through what I expected her to get done during the day. Now, remember, she was a teen, so you can do mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. I'd tell her what she was expected to get done and so forth. I'd help her with the problems she was having, you know, and I'd give her this list of assignments, and she had to have those assignments done when I got home. Then I mm-hmm. would go teach and everything, and when I got home, then I would look through her assignments, grade them, mm-hmm. and then the next day go through her problems that she had with those assignments and so forth. Uh, and so I, I tried to get her to learn into very independently, 
All right, Dr. Wild, we've got to go on a very short break. We'll be back in just a moment. Very good. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, This ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, just before we were rudely interrupted by that break, <laughs> um, you were saying um, how how you interacted with dawn and how you actually functioned in your own personal right. homeschool so you we were up to and then in at night you went over and graded her work and talked about right. any challenges then, she may have had yeah and then the next morning we went through any problems she had and so forth and i tried to get her to do everything independently my ideal situation would have been to simply give her assignments and then the next day go over the problems with her assignments. However, mm-hmm. one thing we could never do with that with was mathematics. She just wasn't very 
<laughs> wasn't yeah. able to do yeah. that independently. Yeah. So I did do a lesson of math every day, you know, uh-huh. and then assign her problems to work on and so forth so she could yeah. practice the skill. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was the one subject I actually did teach. All of her other subjects she was able to do independently with me just, you know, correcting her mistakes and telling her why they were mistakes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So was your homeschool a very academic homeschool or was it, could she follow her own, you know, sort of pursuits or how oh, did that yeah. work? Uh, well, you know, well, I would say it was very academic. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously uh, as, a, as, a, as a faculty member at a university, I'm going to want to have a, a very academic uh, uh, situation for my daughter. But at mm-hmm. the same time, we did give her a lot of freedom into what she had to do. So there were some core subjects she had to do. You know, she had mm-hmm. to do reading, she had to do writing, she had to do math, she had to do science, and uh, she had to do history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after that, uh, she had, so for example, she was at one time thinking she might be a psychologist, so she mm-hmm. wanted to take a psychology course, and we actually mm-hmm. let her go to the local uh, college there to take the psychology course. Mm-hmm. Uh, we let her choose what foreign language to study, and she chose French. And then also in many of the subjects, I let her choose what she would do within some limits. So like with mm-hmm. the reading thing, uh, I, you know, I gave her a list of great books uh, then, and I, I think the list was like 50, 50 titles long, and yeah. she only had to choose, uh, I think it was four every year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she got some freedom that way as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was on the college track with you, and yeah. that worked. Right. It worked really well. And as a matter of fact, when we got her, when we actually were her guardians for a brief time before we uh, adopted her. And mm-hmm. as her guardians, we could not change her education. We couldn't okay. do that until we adopted her. So mm-hmm. while she was a guard, when we were her guardian, she was still in school. Mm-hmm. And she had taken uh, the PSAT, which is sort of a pre- preliminary uh, uh, college entrance exam. And mm-hmm. her scores were very, very low. They were low enough that if she had performed that way on the SAT, she probably wouldn't have gone to any college of any repute. Um, but by the time we actually had her taking the SAT for college and after been homeschooled for a couple of years, uh, she was scoring well enough to get into most really good colleges. Um, so it worked really well. But, you know, my focus wasn't to get her to college because I wasn't sure – since I didn't know her very well when we started this whole thing, I yeah. really wasn't sure she was college material. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's right to send a child who's not college material to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we explored all sorts of avenues, you know, of, you know trade schools and things like that as well. Uh, and uh, so I would have been happy if she had just picked up a trade, too. Uh, yeah. But my, I thought that, you know, regardless of what you're going to do after school, there's a certain level of education everyone should have, and I think mm-hmm. that level of education should be much higher than it is. So, yeah. you know, I held yeah. her to a high academic standard, yeah. even if she wasn't going to go to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as homeschoolers, we're, we are warned against sending our children to secular campuses. How do you feel about that? I mean, it's not always possible to send them to a Christian school. Honestly, there are two things I'd say. Well, first of all, I let my daughter go to a secular college. She looked at Christian colleges. She looked at secular colleges. In the end, the one she really felt like she was being led to was a secular college. And honestly, uh, I don't, I, I didn't, I wasn't worried about that at all. I didn't say that she had to be a member of an on-campus Christian fellowship group. 
because I think it's important to have, you know, support where you're there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was important, and that was something she had to do. But other than that, you know, I really felt like, you know, I could pray over her, I could give her the preparation and so forth, but at some point she's going to be her own person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that kind of goes to what we were saying earlier about, you know, maybe I wasn't the most comfortable with her going to this secular university, but in the end I really think that was the best thing for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I will tell you this as well. uh, The myth... It's a myth that college makes you less likely to be active in your faith. Uh, there have been several studies done, and you know they do it different ways. But for example, in one study, they asked people leaving college, "Did college help your faith or harm your faith?" And almost four times as many people said helped it than harmed it. And mm-hmm. most of these folks were going to secular schools. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, the biggest study I've ever seen says that if you don't go to college, you're about 70% likely to give up your faith. If you go to college, you're only about 58% likely mm-hmm. to give up your mm-hmm. faith. So going to college actually makes you more likely to stay in your faith. And once again, most of the folks in this study were going to secular colleges. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, because that, that's, that's scary. I, you didn't hear, I don't think, that it was our priest at church who said, oh, you know, these careers are, are bad for Christians and sending them to a secular school is bad and doing science is, is not, you know, sort oh. of, is it a good and we're going, okay, this is our career because we, my husband and I are both artists, both, you know, entertainment, both on in theater and it was everything, you know, this was all kind of, and I'm thinking, you know, as long as God is there in our hearts and as long as we're walking, you know, in faith, I can't, I can see it only as a ministry. That's how we looked at it. That's how we saw it. And, um, and I'm really kind of surprised a priest would say something like that because, you know, the reason we have modern science is because of the medieval Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. The version of science we have today was sprung out of the medieval Christ, uh, Roman Catholic Church, and if it hadn't been for that, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have science. And the vast majority of science has been guided by a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. So the idea that suddenly Christians ought to be jumping out of science doesn't make well, any sense. Well, you know, it's the secular campus <laughs> because you've got these professors who are, you know, yeah, sort of yeah. pushing evolution, you know, as if our children haven't been trained to hopefully look at sure. both sides of the story and weigh that, you know. Yeah. What, what do you, how do you feel about um, you, our children being taught different faiths? as comparisons and and that do you or do you think it should just be christian i know what your answer is going to be so i don't know why i asked that <laughs> no but i want to hear I you think, say it <laughs> yeah they they've got to be shown other, and there are two reasons they have to be shown other sides including atheism and islam and all these others is because first of all they're going to experience it at some point in the real world. And the last thing I wanted my daughter to think was that I was hiding something from her, mm-hmm. that I was so worried about, you know, uh, her being a Christian and her being challenged her faith that I was hiding something from her, you know, and she's going to find out about these religions. She's going to encounter people who are of these religions, atheism included. Uh, and so, you know, you've got to show them what's out there. And if, if I want my, if I know my daughter's going to be exposed to these ideas, I would like her to be exposed to them when I'm there to help her with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I would hate for her to be exposed to them when I'm not there, or for her to think I've been hiding something so that when she's exposed to these ideas, she won't come and talk to me about them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's a that's a really good um, approach. And in fact, um, your books that you write, your science books that you write, are um, 
oh, I don't know. They're just they're just so practical, so so um, you know, easy for the non-scientists to read and grasp and teach because I certainly wasn't a scientist it was on my back burner in my home school until one of my children wanted to be an engineer and I thought oh I've got to do something about this because he's going to want chemistry and physics and that's when I discovered your um, uh, discovering exploring creation with series and um, you know and so that kind of exposure um, to science, what your textbooks um, give us, is just it encourages children to question because that's what a scientist does. And I think it's an important part of every curriculum, whether you're artistically inclined or not, to have that questioning um, oh, mentality yeah. and courage. So, you know, what, what makes a scientist? Um. You know, I, I think the first thing that makes a scientist and the most important thing is curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not very curious about why things work or, you know, why the sky's blue and things like that, then obviously you're probably not going to be a scientist. Uh, so, you know, curiosity, uh, but also uh, an ability to, you know, follow the evidence regardless of where it leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people don't want to do because in the end they have their treasured ideas and treasured beliefs mm-hmm. and so forth, and they, you know, aren't very uh, happy about trying to follow the evidence if they, no. the evidence is leading them away. But, you know, had I not done that, I would be an atheist to this day, you know, and mm-hmm. I would not follow the evidence. Uh, and, you know, I, there's some things in science, modern science, that make absolutely no common sense whatsoever. But, you know, there are so much evidence to back up these ideas that you have to believe them. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they're just crazy. <laughs> so when when you were writing your books, were you using, um, were you teaching high schoolers at that time? Were you using how, your methods that you used to teach as a foundation for your books? How, how did that work? Well, I, I did have uh, high school teaching experience. I was a university professor for most of my career. Uh, mm-hmm. So I started out at Indiana University, and then I transferred to another university in that state, Ball State University, because they were starting a new high school for gifted and talented students. And I ended up being on the faculty of that high school for two years, and my main job was to develop the science curriculum that they'd be using. Uh, so, you know, I, I did that for two years, developed the science curriculum, you know, taught it for two years and so forth. And then I went back to teaching at the university level because that's really mm-hmm. where I feel like I'm led. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, but, so by the time I was actually started writing for homeschoolers, I was teaching at the university level. Yeah. But I did have that high school background. But the main thing I did for teaching, for deciding what to write about in these textbooks was I said, well, I know, you know, what we cover in a first-year chemistry course, a first-year physics course, talk to my colleagues in the biology department about what they cover in the first-year biology course. And so I said, so what does a high school student need to know to be adequately prepared to be very successful in these university courses? Mm -hmm. And I think that's why so many of the students who use our materials are so successful at university. Okay, we have to go on a short break. We'll be back in just a moment. (laughs) How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? 
That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. It's time to devote time to yourself and strap yourself in for a fun, down-to-earth, enthusiastic, compassionate, easy-to-understand discussion on the unlimited ways you can be all that you want to be. Join us for Bee Institute Radio with Christine McKee on Toginet Radio. Each week, Christine will have lively and open discussions and interviews, share stories and case studies, and hear from experts on the topic of the week. Christine, a registered psychologist from Australia and published author of Be By Design, How I Be Is Up To Me, hosts lively discussions and interviews every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Dr. Wilde, just before we went on our break, you were, just, you were saying that you were teaching college chemistry and um, thinking, okay, so what would a high school schooler need to know in order to be able to pick up college chemistry at this point at this level and that's how you that's how you wrote your books yeah and i was teaching physics as well my phd mm-hmm. is sort of an even split between chemistry and physics mm-hmm. so at ball state university i taught both the freshman chemistry and freshman physics courses mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and then you know when i started writing biology i picked up a co-author and talked to my uh, who knows biology and talked to my uh, colleagues in the biology department to see what they cover and mm-hmm. so that was really how I okay. wrote the high school material. Okay. And then I wrote the junior high school material just thinking, well, what do they need to know to be successful in my high and, school course? Yeah, and absolutely. now I'm writing elementary material and same question, what do they need yeah. in order to be successful in my junior high courses? I know, I know, because, you know, teaching, you you tend to jump right in where you know the stuff and there's a lot of right. presumptions made and you think, Oh, because I did notice that a lot, and I thought, oh, these books just take us through, just right from the start all the way through. And, you know, I was teaching chemistry and physics at the end. I had never done chemistry or physics at my school ever, and I was able to teach it, and I teach it to, taught it to two of my children, and it was just wonderful. I just thoroughly enjoyed it, so I really do want to tell you how much I enjoy your books. When I told my children you were coming on my show, they said, oh, wow, Mum, that's wonderful, you know, so I know they'll be listening to you so you're so you're going to you you're writing a, a younger course science in yes, the beginning uh, and is it out already being sold 
Yes, uh, there. It's going to be a five book series, we think, and mm-hmm. the first two books are out. Uh, mm-hmm. The first one's called Science in the Beginning, which gives you a foundation for science by covering the six creation days. And so you learn a little bit about everything since you're covering mm-hmm. everything that was created. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in each creation day, you know, first day you learn about light, and the second day you learn about air and water and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and then uh, the second book starts with history, and we start with the ancient Greeks, and we just discuss science as it was learned. Mm-hmm. So you get a very historical view of how science works this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a lot of fun. The first book goes from 600 B.C. to 1500 A.D., uh, and then the next book starts at 1500, works forward to about uh, the 1600s, uh, in the 1600s, and then the next mm-hmm. book starts off at the 1700s. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just a historical approach to science, uh, starting with the beginning of history, which was creation. Wow. Wow, fantastic! And those hands-on. those are available now. Um, your website is a blog. It's just blog something. What's yeah, your, well, what's your... My, yeah, uh, my my main website is, that nobody goes to is www.drwild.com. D r w i l e dot com, and then one of the links you can click on is blog. But most people just go to blog.drwild.com, which is yeah, yeah, where you can and and you keep that up. I mean, you you write new things all the time on there. So I would encourage my listeners to go over there. I've got I've got Dr. Wild linked on both my social homeschooler page and my Toginet page. And Dr. Wild, we've come to the end of our time. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you this afternoon. I've been talking to Dr. Jay Weil about fathering in the homeschool and, of course, his wonderful Exploring Creation with Science textbook series and a little bit we talked about the new series, Science, in the beginning. He first learned about his love for chemistry when his parents bought him a chemistry set and many stink bombs and a few explosions later, he was hooked. He holds an earned PhD in nuclear chemistry and a BS in chemistry. Sorry. Yes, in chem, both chemistries, yeah. both from the University of Rochester. And he and his wife of more than 25 years, Kathleen, homeschooled their daughter Dawn, and we talked um, about that experience of his, which is which is very wonderful and very um, um, encouraging for all of us who, who are teaching maybe <laughs> high schoolers who want to go to school. But, you know, you, you, you talked about that. And um, go on to his website, blog com, and I said it's linked and follow his science blog you'll learn lots I promise you Dr. Weil thank you so much for joining me this afternoon you have a lovely weekend oh you too it was a pleasure being here thank you so much thank you bye bye well you know as homeschoolers we don't get an awful lot of appreciation or peer appreciation we're not in an office full of colleagues and we're not at a school with fellow teachers we're just at home with our children which is probably one of the most important places to be and the company of one adult in the evening and at weekends if we're blessed um, comes at great um, with, with great joy when one of our children speaks up and sings our praises that of course is even more special and one day my son who's the scientist he said to me I'm so glad I homeschooled I never would have been able to start college and do all those neat experiments if it wasn't for the fact that I homeschooled and had the flexibility to do so plus I love the looks on professors faces when they discover I never went to school 
And um, he was thrilled to be a full-time student at the community college, fully engrossed in science classes, because he knew if he wanted to work with animals, which is what he wanted to do, he had to get his BS. Because he'd come to that conclusion himself, of course, he was fully vested in the scheme, and he faced it bravely, overcoming all of the obstacles along the way. His favorite place to study at home was always in the kitchen, the hub of the house with its welcome interruptions. Somehow he maintained a super grade point average, a lot of his success felt his natural abilities. He'd been endowed with two conflicting psyches. One was the academic profile. It was well hidden from me until he hit college and had to start taking tests and proving his ability. I probably would have unearthed this side of him sooner had it not been for his fun-loving second psyche, which was greatly enhanced by his charm and good looks augmented with an athletic ability that verged on the professional. He managed to blend the two psyches when it came to college and admissions, and hey presto, he and his conflicting psyches found their way into A&M's wildlife and fisheries department as a junior and a well-rounded young man with brains and brawn, artistry and husbandry and down-to-earth etherealism. He and those with whom he came in contact recognized that homeschool worked well for him. Later on in his career, he'd be interviewed by eager journalists wanting to show him off not only as a shining example for the next generation, but as a homeschooler too. But for now, he was the star in his sister's lives and away at a community college two and a half days a week, finishing his associate of science at the local college and converting science college professors, as I've already said. You can go and listen, actually, to Dr. Thomas's show called 15,000 Fire Ants in My Tub, which I... um, had or when I spoke to him September the 14th 2012 so two years ago almost and you can hear his side of the story and we ha- we're, we're in year 12 in my home school at Wildflower Academy, and we were beginning to feel the tug of the outside world. I know that sounds like a real basement statement, but there was no denying the fact that with one student away at four-year college, that was my oldest, who was being a filmmaker, and the second now full-time at the local community college, we had no choice but to change how the schedule looked from day to day just the two girls at home. I refused to completely throw away the piece of paper that organized my life and kept us from having to be in several places at the same time, but I did have to manipulate it so we could make the most of the hours and the occasional complete day when the girls were home alone with me. But something else was going on too, and my ordered little routine of having the children naturally following each other's footsteps came to an abrupt halt with the child who started off this whole homeschooling lark when she failed a test at the age of five. It was quite clear to me that my oldest daughter at 15 going on 16 was nowhere near ready to apply for college. While I was all right with that, some of my friends weren't. Just because she's a girl doesn't mean she doesn't have the right to a fine education like her brothers, said my more professional acquaintances who thought all women should have the college experience. And I agreed with her in a way. But remember, I came from a background where women were offered career opportunities in the caring, teaching, defending fields, which could easily and seamlessly be translated swiftly into wife and fierce mama responsibilities. I was growing up into liberalism where women were concerned, but I still saw the main responsibility for a healthy family lay in faith in God and a good provider in my husband. Lots of the books my homeschooling friends with daughters were reading were about beautiful motherhood and supportive and obedient wifedom. So I was able to liberally sprinkle some of these conservative teachings 
teachings into my very independent foundation and rustle up a compromise that allows me not to fret too much over whether my daughter or even my daughters were academically drawn to college or not. My answer when these friends extolled the virtues of college was, it isn't for everyone. And next week, I'll tell you how that worked. Now, my blue-eyed cowboy and me in the meantime, while our children are running around in Dallas and L.A., experiencing little problems here and there, um, we're doing well. I'm on my final segment of my memoir because I hadn't written it, so I had to get everything into order and just write the facts. And now I can be creative and craft the work, which is much, much more rewarding. This morning, for example, it took me two hours to write a page, just two paragraphs, capturing how my mother was fed after my father's death and her defense mechanism of checking out. I wrestled with words in their order until I could see her reaction. Then when I read the sentences, it all just came to me. It was emotionally draining, but I do think I got it. And for now, I finished going on about life for another week. We're not going to the grocery store today. I need to write and two trips into town on consecutive days has been streamlined into one, at least by me. We go to mass on Saturdays, so we'll grocery shop in town then. But I'm going to bake this weekend. I look at the mixer on the counter, my KitchenAid, and I get all housewifey. I'm going to, um, what am I going to make? Um, a Bakewell tart probably. So move over, Blue Eyes. I'm coming in because he usually does all the cooking. Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place next Friday. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my producer, Sabrina, thank you, my guest this week, Dr. Jay Weil, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows on Toginet to help you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Numbers six twenty-four to twenty-six. And I know you enjoyed listening to Dr. Wiles, so pop on over to his blog and read what he has to say. He has very up-to-date articles about what's going on in the world today with science, so they'd be good to add to your science curriculum. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney.